mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 31, and we are excited to talk about another book that we have read. It is called Making Number Talks Matter by Kathy Humphreys and Ruth Parker, and forward by Joe Bowler. And I've been wanting to read this for a long time. I have been wanting to read this, and we found it at our college libraries. Right. And now we both want to buy it because right, yeah. just having it at the library is not as helpful. I know. I agree. Um, I would like to write in it. I would like to circle things. I, feel I would like, like to reference it. It's the kind of book you're going to go back to and be For like, sure. okay, I, I'm ready to do this particular skill. I'm going to look at the progression again and, and the examples. it's really good for... I'm going to do this skill today. Let me go look in this book and <laughs> yeah. see what problems I should put. Yeah. You know, like in your lesson plans, mm-hmm. you say, do a fraction number talk. But she's done all of the thinking for the problems right. that go with it. But yeah. anyways, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about what a number talk is and why we need it. Yes. I think we're both sold on it. But there's people who have not heard about it. Because mm-hmm. last year this time. Yeah. Maybe last year this time I hadn't done a number. I know I hadn't done a number talk. Yeah, I had been hearing about it. I, I'm probably this is probably my, you know, midway through the school year before is when I started to okay. try it out and do it. I wasn't. I didn't have my own classroom, so I was trying Ooh, to like okay. lead teachers through it and then kind of coach other teachers through doing it. But this past school year was the last first time I had done it with my own students. Yeah, I'd done it some in remediation the school year before. But yeah, to us, it is a pretty new idea, but it's not a new idea at all, right? Right. I mean, the teachers in this book talk about how they, one of them with someone else, invented the idea and and named it. And um, so it's cool to read about it from the source. So so how many, how many cool, not cool, sorry, like methods for teaching, like number talks? I've never heard of a number talk until you guys started talking about mm-hmm. it. How, how does this become such a big thing and you never hear about it here, here. And, and how often is that a thing? How often do you, you know, in your classes, did you hear about something that's a proven and time tested, you know, way of teaching math that you've never heard of? That's a really good question. I feel like ed- change is slow in education, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And how do you, I mean... I would not just pick this up off the shelf and say, uh, why not? It looks thrilling. Right. <laughs> I think I'm going to read this and see what it is. The reason you read a book is because you've seen the benefits, whether it's in your classroom or someone else's classroom, mm-hmm. you know, and Tracy and I being able to talk about what, what we've seen or done. I mean, there's parts of this book that people would say, I do that. It's just good teaching. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have anything to do with calling it a number talk, but it is really solid teaching. And when it's all in one place and it's easy to reference. I also wonder, and I'm not so much trying to, you know, put down you guys and where you teach, but how does one keep up with, you know, and this is not a new thing, but, but when there's a a new idea or maybe just a new twist on a, on a trusted idea, how do you keep up with, you know, the, a, the the events the 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 current math teaching 
Yeah, I've got three ideas. I got three answers to that. Okay. One, Twitter, because <laughs> that's where people are talking about new ideas, and I've you know heard mm-hmm. so many, learned so many things from people on Twitter. But um, but really, it's I mean a good like somebody using this book and suggesting this book or doing something real. It's not just you know you know Pinterest ideas on a over Twitter. Well, I will. I mean, I feel like when you're just asking in general about new ideas, right, okay. that's where I'm getting new ideas right. from. Patsy, my my old teaching, not old, former. <laughs> sorry, Patsy. Former, yeah, sorry. Former, hope she's still listening. <laughs> uh, or maybe not. I don't know. Former teaching partner is who bought this book the very okay. first time I'd ever seen it. And she was really into it. And she liked bought it? it? Several years ago, like way before I was even thinking about it. She's on the cutting edge yes maybe we should ask patsy you're 30 because i can imagine she did not get it from twitter no no i don't think so i don't i guess i don't know where she heard of it maybe she googled it but um and then i feel like that's the role of a coach in a building you know the instructional leaders or the curriculum and development people like those are because teachers don't have time to read every new thing that there is. You can spend your summer like we are working on it, but you know, it is hard to be like, what's the next new thing I need to learn? Let me get a book and let me read it when I have a hundred other things to do. So I think that that's the role of the instructional leaders and coaches in a building. Um, And then I think, you know, there's a place to read. There's a, there's something to be said for reading professional journals and, you know, a lot of those kinds of things would come up in, if you're a member of NCTM, that kind of, you're going to start to hear and get the newest information. Do you have any other answers to that? Or did I answer your question? No, I think that's, I think that's right. And I think the biggest point is being willing to, I mean, there's always something new out there, even just Googling, how do I teach Mm-hmm. And fill in the blank. Yeah. Yeah. But then you have to have some kind of, I don't Like a filter. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyways. All right. So let's talk about what is a number talk because we haven't done that yet. Okay. So jump in whenever you want to. But okay. number talk would be where you would have your, usually in a whole group, um, and it doesn't have to necessarily relate to the content where you are in the rest of your class. It could be a, just a number sense routine separate from what you're working on at the moment. Um, and it's meant for all grade levels. This book does a really good job talking about upper, how you would implement it in high school classes. Um, but you would put something on the board um, like on the smart board, on the projector, whatever, and have tell your students to th- mentally think about how you would solve it. Or if it's a dot image, like just an image of an arrangement of dots or shapes, you'd think about how do you see it. Um, and the one key point is that there is silent thinking time at the beginning. And the kids are asked to put their um, like their fist up to their chest. And it, once they have an idea of one, once they have a solution and one way to solve it, then they put their thumb up to say, I'm ready. And the point of that is because if you tell them to do hands, then immediately somebody's going to put their hand up while somebody else over there is still trying to figure it out. And it, it, 
it takes away that speed thing that happens. So a hand is really obtrusive. So a hand is more noticeable if I'm looking down trying to figure something than somebody's thumb. In and you've yeah. seen the hand, so now you're stopped thinking. Right. Yeah. Or now I'm rushing. Any of those. Okay. And um, also we should say that almost always it's meant to be done mentally. No one's to have any paper out because it's oh. to build. It's to help you move away from the standard algorithms and move to more sense-making kind of computation. Gotcha. Um, and the cool thing about it, so, you know, say a kid might have an answer right away. Well, then you can encourage them to put up a finger, like put up your um, pointer finger, that's what that's called? To Index finger. Okay. Well. Index finger. Thanks. Um, <laughs> to indicate I've got another way to solve it. Okay. And then if I have three ways to solve it, I can have three fingers up. And so... So your smart kids have two hands up. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you should see Jay right now. Um, but the but that's it. If everybody's facing the board, then it's an indication to the teacher and the teacher right. can see. Okay. So then after most... After most kids, do you want to take over, Ruth, or are you going to keep yeah, going? Yeah, you got it. So um, the teachers that, when she's satisfied that everyone's got some kind of an answer, um, she asks for them. And without any facial expressions, she just writes their answers on the board. Okay. Um, just, the sol- just the solution, not the how you got there. Right. So just like... Just the, the number. 73. Yes. Okay. So you've said the answer is 73. So then I'm going to say to the class, is there someone who could defend one of these answers? I think first, though, you're encouraged to say, are there, does anyone have, did anyone get any other solutions? And get all of the solutions that were gotten oh, around the rim. Right. On so the I said first. 73. Tracy right. said 72 because she probably did it right. Yeah. <laughs> And, and you write all the possible – all the answers that the classes come up with. But mm-hmm. if I said 73 and so did Tracy, she wouldn't raise her head. She wouldn't also say 73. You're not tallying how many people got 73. No. Okay. And um, yeah, keep going. Right. So now – I'm you, learning this, guys. I'm, I'm Right. So you've yeah, called – Good questions. You've called on the students who have answers and, and – you're satisfied that there's no other answers to the problem. So now you're asking for volunteers to share the strategy they used to get 73, whether it's you because you're the only one who got 73 and you want to tell me about it or whether it's her because she got 73 as well. Um, And then there's questions that you ask when the student's sharing, like, does anyone have a question for her because she told you how she did it? Can you say more about this specifically? Um, can you say what she said in your words? Or do you notice anything about the strategies? You both got 73, but you did it differently. Um, Let me guess. This is where the talk part of number talk comes mm-hmm. from. Yeah. Right. And the teacher is recording the thinking on the board. So it's not the student coming up and showing their work. It's the, the student saying it and then the teacher writing what they're saying. Like working represent- the problem out like they're saying mm-hmm. they did in their mm-hmm. brain. So yes. that's where you're introducing the distributive property because you've just told me about it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm writing it up there and I'm using the parentheses. And this book she does a really good job of showing you different ways to write them. So you slip in the, the uh, yeah. what yeah. they call the distributive property. Mm-hmm. And use Because they say, well, first I multiply this times this. Or they may say, you know, first I 
you know, subtracted or something, you know, and you have to work that in. And you have to know the vocabulary because that's in a number talk. And that's one of the things that she points out is that's the best time to tell them the property. You know what, what you just did has a name in math. And so we're going to call it the distributive property. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids are seeing it, they've heard it, and they just thought of it on their own right. instead of us saying you can do this. Yeah. Um, I think cool. that's, I mean, the idea is that it's like a little short part of your class. So like 15 minutes. But I will say when I started doing this, some I teach sixth grade. It's really different to like have to explain what's happening in your head. And there was a lot of silent time. Wow. Because, or it, it was like, they didn't have a strat like addition and subtraction number talks. They had the algorithm and that's what they went to. Everybody used that algorithm. And so it, they had to like be willing to step out and say, well, I just did this. You know, and me encourage them. So it would take the whole class. So when they get a problem for a number talk, is it just a, you know, like a math problem, numbers plus naked number problem? Naked naked number problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's not like you didn't give them a situation in which they have to figure out the the math that would go into that Mm-mm. okay i mean there are there are contexts where they did end up mentioning that that but most of the time it's it's presented as a naked number problem and this is important that you would present it horizontally instead of vertically okay. because vertically is how you end up doing most of the algorithms and so horizontally makes you not see it that way not see it as an algorithm yeah and is it usually a brand new concept or is it a review concept that they are you know, is this how you introduce something or is this how you go over something they've already seen once? I don't think it's how you introduce something because you can't be assured what you're going to get. Like I could give them a multiplication problem in hopes that they were going to come up with distributive property. But if they didn't, you have to have something else, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the idea for this, in my opinion, is just to help them be more confident in their thinking by confirming that that really does work. And that's another question you ask is, is there a situation or can someone think of a problem where this strategy wouldn't work? Yeah. I I would say it's after they've already learned the concept of the computer of the computer. That's not the right word operation. And you are, it's in the part about helping to build, build their flexibility and their efficiency with, strategies you know it goes back to the whole fact fluency book we just talked about that this is this is specifically meant to build their flexibility and choosing strategies because you're going to get presented with lots of different problems and the strategy we learned yesterday or we talked about yesterday may not be the best one for this particular problem Mm -hmm. like it's 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 teaching them to look at the numbers before you just dive in and use something so Instead of saying, oh, this is multiplication, so I do, you know, turn my brain to process exactly. M mm-hmm. and do it. This way I see, oh, those numbers, with that number there and that number there, it'd be probably better if I used this strategy. Exactly. That's exactly uh, the point. You know, yes. I probably could have let you just talk today and you just said all this stuff. <laughs> no, you're, yeah. this is perfect. You're, you're, but when you take the time 
to think about your process, Mm -hmm. that means you've thought about the numbers and you're probably have a pretty good estimate. You know, we, I've taught students a long time that it's really good to get an estimate before you start. But I also gave them an algorithm for finding an estimate. Mm-hmm. Use this estimate to figure out. Yeah. You know, I remember your friend last week had said something about grocery store math, and oh my goodness, that was like exactly the way my brain thinks. You know, I don't, I'm not in the grocery store figuring out how many cents per piece is. You know, but that same thing of like quickly rounding up to ten or quickly cutting it in half. You know, I've heard you use these different strategies mm-hmm. that you know I I use not necessarily in the grocery store, but that same idea that quickly. Like if I saw a problem that had a five in it or had a 10 in it or, you know, something like that, I would not put it in my multiplication algorithm yeah. brain frame. I would think of it a different way. And and the idea is that, you know, even some of your highest achieving kids, that's all they have is the algorithm. Right. And think about how much more of a stronger math student or mathematician they can be if they can start to take a pause look at the problem, figure out what strategy do I know that will be the easiest and the most or most efficient here and then go in that direction gotcha. instead of always doing the algorithm. Yeah. And I think there's merit in saying that you got 73 in our last number talk and she got 72. I would really hope that Tracy would have enough, you know, like I would prompt her probably with, Tracy, do you know why you got the answer of 72 or do you see a strategy that would have gotten 73 and ask her so that we could learn from that mistake. And there's a lot of that in this book too, where you analyze the student's mistake and help them see they were really close. And that was a really good strategy. So and 73 is a prime number. So it probably couldn't have come from a multiplication. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or it would have been a pretty lame multiplication. Problem yeah. You guys part. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts of the number talk and something that really had did happen consistently when I was doing it this year. It, I I don't know if if I think I did it on purpose and I don't know if it was the right choice, but if I could see that there were, you know, there's there was usually a large group of kids that had it correct and then there were usually two or three other ideas and there were not very many kids that had it wrong. And so I would normally call on somebody that I knew I had it right first. And I don't know if that was a right, a good choice or not, but that's what I did. And almost always, immediately, the kids who had it wrong would be like, oh, and would often choose to share why they missed it in my in my room. I, my kids were the opposite of yours in that my problem was everybody wanted to talk and I could never get everybody in. Not everybody, mm. but a good portion of them wanted to talk. So I had the opposite problem of like, how do I get this to stop? How do I get people not to be upset because they didn't get to share? But I think that perhaps might be a unique problem to my grade and my well, population. Say, I don't know if that's age or if they fo- felt, you know, like maybe I'm going to do it differently this year so that I make my room feel like a place where you can talk about mistakes. I say that like, this is a place you can talk about mistakes, but Mm -hmm. in middle school, there's so much like I need to be impressive. Mm -hmm. And, and going back to your point about them, not really not having any other strategies. I mean, that was part of the problem is that they had one strategy and there was nothing else to share, you know, Mm -hmm. cross it out and regroup or whatever. Um, I like how she kept saying if, if no one, 
shares this strategy, then you can either say, I saw someone do this or somebody in the last class or I tried this. You know, you can you can after they've exhausted everything they have, you could kind of fake insert one and then see if tomorrow somebody can use that one, you know. Um, I did get that, too, because I had this great idea that I was going to do number talks on Monday. But it did say in the book that you should when you're when you start, you should do a number talk every day mm -hmm. for two weeks and get them. You know, it, it, it made sense. I shouldn't just do it on Monday and expect them to remember that strategy the next time we do a number talk. Mm -hmm. It needs to be consistent. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I thought we would go through. Did, have we kind of given you a, the big idea of what a oh, number yeah, talk yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. It's, okay, it's, it's you ask good. good questions. Thank, Thank you. you. We the last time we were sometime we were running this week, we talked about how we like that you're on our podcast, Jay, because <laughs> <laughs> because you you know how like you have a bad cop, good cop. It's not that, but it's like the people that know what they're talking about, and then the person and who then the funny cop. Yeah, right. exactly the funny cop. No, like you Long ask cop. you ask good questions. You make it a safe place if a teacher's listening and they don't know. Well, neither does Jay. It's That's okay, right. you know. <laughs> you think you get it wrong sometimes, guys. You so come here and see how the big boys do it. Thanks for being on our podcast. Okay. So and editing our podcast. Oh, and MG. Publishing our podcast. <laughs> Making the graphics for our <laughs> podcast. All the things. You make us look cooler than we are, Jay. Oh, well, you're welcome. <sighs> okay. So let's talk about subtraction. Isn't that cool that they start with subtraction instead of starting with addition? But I think it's because there's so many different strategies mm -hmm. for subtraction. And for me, I know I've given my little like math testimony or whatever, but subtraction... When I began teaching, I had one strategy. I was a grown adult teaching fourth grade. And my principal said, I want you to teach fifth grade. And I said, I'm, I'm too scared of math. And at that point, I said, they teach stem and leaf plots in fifth grade, so I can't go. <laughs> and she sent me to of all the things. Of all the things. <laughs> she sent me to an NCTM conference. And it was just this... I don't even know how to describe him. He had an overhead projector. There was no handouts. There was no PowerPoints. Just his visa V pen. And he's like, did you know you could add like this? Did you know you could subtract like this? Did you know you could multiply like this? Take a lunch break. Did you know you could divide like this? Did you know you could do fractions? And I just had pages and pages and just kept writing, holy cow, <laughs> and got back and was like, okay, hey, fifth graders. Did you know you could add like this, subtract like this? And I'll never forget, David in the back of the room was like, Mrs. E, that is what I do. Yeah. And then I just go back and put the lines and the tens and nines so you'll think I showed my work. Mm -hmm. It just crushed me. You know, yeah. like, you got to show your work. Can't do subtraction without showing your work. He wasn't even, he didn't even understand that strategy. It didn't make yeah. any sense to him. Yeah. Yeah, so... That's why, because subtraction was the one who that blew my mind the mm -hmm. most. It's a good place to start. Yeah. Um, we, we did notice that at the beginning of – so there's a chapter for each operation. And at the beginning of each chapter, one of the very first things is sh they've written the problem with the words that are part of each problem. That didn't make any sense. So, for example, for subtraction, one of the very first things is um, – Minuin minus subtrahend equals difference. Um, and 
they use the words quotient and, you know, in, on all the other ones. And I, and I think we were talking about how we use all the right words in every other operation. We haven't been using the subtraction menu in and subtrahend. Well, why not? Well, do you know how old I was when I f- heard, learned what those words were? Today years I old. Was today. <laughs> I was yeah. knocking on 40 and I've never heard those words before. Wow. And I had no idea. I thought you were making something up. I had no idea what that was. Okay, so menuin and subterhin. And then you gave us a way to remember which is which, because Ruth and I were both like, oh, I have to look it up. Every- well, that's for me. I have to look it up every year. I'm trying to say that. So you can say it. I said the subterhin must be the bottom number, because sub means beneath. And these, these, these two, you know, professional tenured math teachers are like, oh, that sounds like a good idea, Jay. <laughs> We're awesome. Okay. And we referenced our choral counting when neither of us knew what choral meant. <laughs> when they read choral counting and didn't do it all together. Oh, okay. Let's move on. Okay. Um, yes. So we're going to try to use those words as we're talking. Um, and I liked that. So you're going to get the vocabulary and then you're going to get five strategies for each operation. Yes. Then you're going to, they're going to explain to you why the strategy works and how it works. They're going to give you, um, Example problems. So you can use this as a reference tool of finding problems that would most easily lead a student to that strategy. So if you feel like that strategy is one you want to show up in your class. Um, and, oh, my word, I love that there is fractions, decimals, and integers. I was just going to say that. Yeah. It's not just the four operations with whole numbers because there's so much – there's just so much stuff for high school. And – Having a middle school teacher and tutoring high school students, there would be high school teachers, if they were listening, who would confirm that there are high schoolers who, when they're doing 17 minus 9, cross off the 7 and regroup and get 17 minus 9, because that is the only strategy that they have. Mm-hmm. Wait, What? So if you write seventeen ninety nine, write it on your paper. Write it on your right, paper. No, I, I, I wrote it in my brain. Yeah, seventeen minus nine vertically. So you cross off the seven and you make it seventeen, and you cross off the one and you make it zero because you have to regroup. There, kids do that all the freaking time. But that's the same thing. Yes, I know. It's because and, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> We know, <laughs> but kids do it all the time and don't even get to the point and they don't even get to the second step and realize that it's the same thing. They just follow a procedure blindly. And then once they get there, then they put nine in their head and count up to 17. Or start at 17 and count backwards. <laughs> Ugh, even worse. How do you do 17 minus nine? I think at this point it is... This problem is one I would just automatically know as a fact in my head. Right. But I would most likely my 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 brain from subtracting nine subtracts ten and adds one back. Mm. That's how that's how my brain has always subtracted nine. Okay. And it may not be in those absolute steps, but like if you gave me anything minus nine, my brain is going to automatically drop it ten. But not, but add either. Yeah. Maybe not add one back, but just think of it in the process. I'm subtracting 10, not quite. Got it. I'm going to go up to 10 and then to up to 7. I'm going to, so I'm going to add 1 to go to 10. I'm adding up when I think 17 minus right. 9. I'm going to add 1 um, to go to 10 and then I'm going to add 7 more. So I've jumped 8 steps forward. I'm going to do what Jay did. Yeah. And, so, and that's what Trip does because 
because um, of Zeus on the loose. Because he's, he's my son. Yes, it's all you. <laughs> um, he does the the takeaway ten. Add one back. Okay. Um, I really like the. Can I? Can we talk about two of the strategies very quickly? Yes. That that I have to admit, only in the last couple of years that I know they were a thing. This they call it the same difference. So if you have two numbers and they're not fun to want to subtract with, hold on, let me get to the page where it's on page forty. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not fun to want to subtract with if you move them both up the number line or down the number line the same distance as each other, then they're still the same distance apart from each other. You're still going to get the same um, difference. So, so if I took 17 minus nine, 9 and just shoved it up to 18 minus 10, yes. then in my brain, that's really, I mean, a little less daunting than 17 yeah, minus 9. Exactly. So I have taught that, not in a number talk, but... After I learned the strategy, yeah. I I just remember I cut out adding machine tape different lengths. And we had a number line that was magnetized to the board. And so you put the measuring tape, the adding machine tape, on the number line. And you say, what subtraction problem could this represent? Mm-hmm. So it's the distance between 17 and gotcha. 9. And it's mm-hmm. also the distance between 18 and 10. Yeah. And so when you have all of those problems, then you say, which one of these would you like to solve? Yeah. And they're able to – and if I did that for integers. Ooh, that's a good – Oh, good, yeah. Because – Cross the zero with it. Yeah. And so you're looking at the distance between the numbers. And I think that's a really important skill in subtraction that isn't focused on as much in the beginning – of subtraction is just takeaway and what's yeah. left over instead mm-hmm. of the distance between the numbers when in reality is really what difference yeah. mm-hmm. is. Oh, look at that. That just blew my mind. Yeah. And let me tell you this. I, I had a student so who came back to me and was like, Mrs. E, did you know that the range is really like the range? <laughs> How far away they are. Like he had just come to that. He's like, it's like the shooting range and how far away you are from mm-hmm. the target. And that's why you use the word range and that's why it's subtraction and that's why it's the distance between the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there are a few mathematical terms that make sense. There are a <laughs> lot that don't. So now difference does for you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that is one thing I did know that was the answer to a subtraction problem. Mm-hmm. That's the one of those words I did know. But it makes sense that, you know, that that's the difference. Looking at it physically as measurement, like on a yeah. number line, helps to, you know, I may have made that connection somewhere in the past, but not recently. Okay. I had another one I was going to talk about, but I can't remember what it was. So let's move on, I think, to they did multiplication next, right? Yeah. So I got to do subtraction real fast one more time. Okay. The whole counting up thing, it revolutionized my fraction teaching. Oh, yeah. So when you're teaching six minus three and a half, instead of having them regroup 
like take the time to do a number talk and let a student come up with, well, I know if I get another half, I'll be at four. So they hold a half in this hand. Yeah. And then they go from four to six and their answer is two and a half. And money, uh, please let them use that counting up strategy for money. That's how you were trained when you worked in the, you know, in the store and didn't have the cash register to tell you how mm-hmm. much it is. That's the way to close that gap. That's the way to make the whole. Um, so students are very excited when they can take something they've learned from subtracting whole numbers and apply it to subtracting fractions. Yeah. Other than regrouping. Yeah. That's good. I like adding up. I think I probably end up doing that more than anything else. Okay. Multiplication. Um, we have to talk about what was on page 60. So this was really good, at, especially after reading the Math Fact Fluency book last week. Mm-hmm. They talked about, um, again in this book, how memorizing the facts is really kind of pointless and a really good illustration. She said, imagine that you were given these flashcards that had a pair of letters like B and a G with a random symbol in the middle. They kind of have like a bullseye symbol. So it's like B, bullseye, bog. bog. Yeah. And then on the back is another letter that you're supposed to know that goes with it. So like maybe the front says B, B, bullet sign G on the back is F is the answer. Like how hard is it going to be to remember that? It's going to be really, really crazy hard to remember. I'll probably never forget it now that you give it to me. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but that's the idea. But I've had if a whole stack of them. Yeah. If you're, if the multiplication doesn't mean anything to you, memorizing what's on the back is, is no good. And, and you're going to, you're going to maybe know it for the next week and then you're going to forget it after that, you know? And the student who, has memorized the facts. It happened this week in summer school. She, she doesn't understand multiplication. And so when eight times three and she wrote 23, it's because the only thing she had was just adding eight. And there wasn't any kind of like, well, this doesn't make sense because it's a prime number or like her number sense is just so minimal that she can't find those mistakes. I mean, usually a multiplication mistake is a whole factor off or a whole group off. Right. Not just one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, okay, the new one for me was factor a factor. I had not thought of it that way. Had you used this one before, Ruth? Um, I'm going to say no. It's on page 66. And especially because I have never written it. Like that, you know? So let's talk about it. Okay. Um, They have the example of 12 times 16. Um, Actually, I'm just going to read it. They say, I know 16 equals 4 times 2 times 2. Okay. So instead of breaking it apart in an addition sentence like 8 plus 8 or 4 plus 4 plus 4 plus 4, they did 16 is 4 times 2 times 2. First I did... Four times 12. Can I ask a question real quick? Yeah. Why didn't she say, because 16 is 2 times 2 times 2 times 2. It is a power of 2. Why didn't she break it all the way apart? I just don't know why. Is it going to make sense in a second why she didn't do that? Maybe it's just less steps. Or maybe they knew 12 times 4. Okay. Instead of having to go all the way back to 12 times 2. I bet that's why. I just didn't know if there was a reason to... 
to break it apart, but not all the way. I think it's just break it just enough apart till you know one of those facts in your head already. Okay. okay. Would that be how you would think about I it? I would. And there would be benefit for a student. Because they're broken in two fours. Sure. Right. Okay. Four times four. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just, I just didn't know why this, this, mm-hmm. I haven't looked through the problem yet. Yeah. Okay. So then they did four times 12 and that was 48. So that probably is one that they knew. Then I did 48 times two and got 96. And then I did 96 times two and got 192. So maybe not four times four because you would have had to have done 48 times four. I was about to say that I would not have known to break it up into those pieces at the beginning of that problem. I would have gotten in that problem and go, oh, I don't know that times four. So let me times two and then another two. But see, that's what mental math is. Uh, She took that four out of that 16 and it probably was just hanging there. But now when I'm explaining it to the teacher, Mm -hmm. I'm going to act like I did that in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But she probably went through that same process that you just did. Yeah. Um, So it's really, it's a good example of the associative property. Because especially you can really see it in the way that they wrote it in the book. I love that about this book is that they're explaining the strategies, but then they're giving you as the teacher a really clear way to organize it on the board when you write it. And then how to take it and reference the associative property. Mm -hmm. So let's write this one more time because this is the process that you used. Let me insert this vocabulary. And I mean, let's be honest. When you teach the associative property – there's not a whole lot of meaning to it. And why does this matter? And who cares? When are you going to give me three numbers in the parentheses? And Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you know? can't do this problem without this yeah. property. So they have 12 times, four times two times two. The four times two times two is in parentheses. And then they're like. And that's just to signify because it came from the same original number. Yes. And then they are going to say, let's take this four that's over here and group it together with the 12 instead of grouping it together with the two and the two. Let's let's regroup it and do 12 times four and then pull in another two with parentheses and then pull in the, do that last I'm going to show my keen sense of mathematical properties. I always get associative and distributive mixed up in my head. Okay. And distributive would have been inside the parentheses was like addition. Yes. And outside was multiplication. But when it's all multiplication, it's associative and you can slide them wherever. You can regroup them however you want to. Because the first three letters of associative are A-S-S and that's all the signs are the same. Uh, No, it's not. That's not what A-S-S means. (laughs) That's definitely not where my brain went. Oh, that's funny. I don't even teach that to my students Good. because of those three letters. But I, a, I have, like, after school given that to someone who gets those confused. I had a, I don't know, it was fourth or fifth grade teacher. But for something, we were doing the word assassin was in the book. And we were trying to figure out how to spell it. And if you don't know, it's A-S-S-A-S-S. And, and that's the first okay. six letters. And I know she didn't mean to, but she said, man, you got to be a real A-S-S not to know how to spell that. And we're like... <laughs> like she had just saw those groups of letters over and over at the beginning of the word and didn't even put it together what that you know and let's just say the class did not recover that is funny let's just say she did not say that in the next class it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's one of those things you say one time and you're like oh man okay so let's can we try can we try one is that really absolutely dorky? I have a pen and paper right? Oh, I can't use pen and paper. Crap. Right. Yeah. All right. I got math. my brain right here. Okay. 
Um, I'm picking a random one from 70. I promise I haven't even tried ahead of time. And so you can use any strategy you want. You don't have to use the factor of factor. Okay, ready? Oh, Jay's even got his thumb up. You're so <laughs> cute. Okay, let's do 51 times 14. Okay, we'll have to have okay. some silent thinking time here. I'm going to have to write the problem. Well, I'm looking at the problem. Never mind. It was 51 times 14? Yeah. Okay, good. I was thinking, this may not work at all. I'm really struggling not to write anything. Am I doing this wrong? Oh, yeah. Because I'm the because only with my thumb up. Okay, I can put a thumb up. I just don't know if I'm right. I keep doing it again in my head because I don't want to be wrong. Okay. Somebody go first and be brave enough to say your I'll answer. I'll go first because I've had my thumb up over here for a day. Okay. Okay, got it. Go. 714. Okay, that's what I got. I'm guessing Tracy didn't because the look on her face is oh, not Oh, one. but I do know my mistake. Okay. okay. Okay, yes. Okay, good. I got it. Yes. <laughs> right then I got my... Okay. So, you want to go first? Yeah. Okay, go. Because I got this. Okay. Okay. All right. I want to record your thinking. All right, you can record my thinking. My first thing is... Y'all, this is so fun. I'm so excited. I've got 51 times 14. Okay. My first thought is, let me work with 50. Okay. So right away, I'm going to take a 14 and set it off to the side and know that that's got to go back at the end. Okay. Okay. So I've got, got a it. little bucket of 14 over here. Um, whenever I work with 50, I try to make it, you know, tr try to, because it's half of 100. So I thought 50 times 14, ooh, because 14 is even, I can make it 100 times 7. So right there I have 700. Did he have in double? Yes. Okay, that's called having and doubling. Yeah, that's, I knew that. Um, <laughs> and so, so right there I have 700 because, because that's how I made it. And then my 14 that's sitting over there, I just dump it back in there and make it 714. Okay. You you got lost. Ruth Where did you? You broke fifty one apart to get fifty, and then you doubled fifty it's, to get a hundred. Okay, fifty one no. times fourteen, right? So I'm looking for fifty one fourteens. And you figured out what fifty fourteens yeah, was. Yeah, I took one of my fourteens and stuck it over here. So now that I'm working with fifty times fourteen, and fifty times fourteen is the same as a hundred times seven. Because of having and doubling. And, and so, so 100 times 7 is really easy for my brain to figure sure. out. Sure. So to model this on the board, you did 50 plus I, 1 times 14. Y'all, this is the hardest part about number talks is when a kid has a strategy or an adult has a strategy that's really awesome figuring out how to record it. So you did, oh wait, not 15. So then right I here. I would have thought right here. You and did this may be because 50 I'm times not a, 14. And then you did. 
plus fourteen. Well, okay, one times fourteen. So that's the distributive property. That's what I would call that. But then to solve this, you did having and doubling. Right. And then I had to bring this fourteen back into Mm -hmm. the problem. Okay. What? So what'd you do? Okay. So I did. I got five ten. Because I did 51 groups of 10, and then I did two groups of 51. Right? What? Four groups? No, four. Yes. No, I did two groups of 51, and then I did two more groups of oh, 51. I was like, 51. then you didn't get it right. I just <laughs> ran out of room here. Is that like factor a factor? No, I think it's distributive property where I took 14 and made 10 plus 2 plus okay, 2. Okay, but, but what about the 51 times 4 where you thinking about it like 51 oh. times 2 times 2? I just knew that 51 times 4 I couldn't do fast enough in my head and Jay already had his thumb up and so yeah. I was like well I can double 51. <laughs> well I didn't raise my hand y'all. Good job. <laughs> okay. Um, and then I tried to do a different strategy so I could offer something else and I couldn't. Yeah. Like I couldn't get another strategy in fast <laughs> enough. So I did... Uh, well, let, let's stop for a second and say that this is not what we would throw our fourth graders or sixth graders at the very beginning, but it's it's the right amount of um, productive struggle for where we are right now, you know, like, or maybe it's a little harder. No, <laughs> no it's the right amount. Like, and so we're, we're demonstrating that they might feel that way about some of these problems that they're doing. Okay. So I did, I, I don't know. I did what was right kind of above the problem, which is I thought about it like, uh, I wanted to work with 50 times 14, and I didn't want to do 50 times 14, but I remembered from reading some of these others that if I did 100 times 14, that's 140, and then I could cut it in half to get... Um, 100 times 14 one, is 1,400. Yes, thank you. Okay. And then cut it in half would be 700. And my mistake was, for whatever reason, I was adjusting it the wrong way. I was subtracting the 14 the, the one extra 14 that I needed, but really needed to add one oh. more 14. That's why I was struggling because I was subtracting. Ooh, subtracting it. 14 from 700 would be tough. Yeah, that's why I, mean, I was like, tough, but stuff. It takes longer to, to So then as soon as you said 714, I was like, oh, duh. I needed to add it back instead of subtract it. Embarrassing. Okay. So I was using – I hadn't seen that before, but if you're going to have to do like – 20 something times 25 or something times 50 go to 100 and then adjust it back right the and other she way. so i have been doubled at later on and you doubled in half right up front was it is there is that a different do you i strategy? i was wondering that would you call what i did still having a doubling i think so because you were at 50 and you doubled it to 100 and half that's doubling and having yeah but i had not this whole like divide by four, I mean, you could call it quartering and quadrupling. Right. Yeah. But I have never used that strategy, nor have I had a student who shared it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another important part is sometimes you already mentioned this. It's it's OK for you at the end of this number talk to say, listen to this strategy. Yeah. What do you think about this? And giving them another tool for their toolbox and then seeing if they use it. So, and having, having a doubling, holy cow, with decimals, it really does help them multiply by, a, you know, because multiplying by a half or multiplying by 0. 0.5, if you can 
double that and multiply it by 0.1 or just by one, Mm -hmm. it just makes sense. And it's that whole, like, now you have an idea of what it really means instead of just multiply it by five and move the decimal. Right. And it helps to build that with whole numbers first before you're ever on fractions and decimals. Right. Which is why it's appropriate to do a random multiplication one in your class at the beginning of the year, even if even if they came into sixth grade, everybody knowing how to multiply with the algorithm. It's still applicable to do and to do that at the beginning of the year so that when you get here to fractions and decimals, you have, you know, the language and the understanding behind it. Okay, let's move on from oh yeah, let's move on to what came next? Addition? Division. Division. Oh, no, you're right. Addition's next. I don't have much to say about addition. My kids don't normally think about number lines. So using them as much as I, as you can to record their thinking, I think, is important. Right. I wouldn't think of number lines in addition. That's not where my brain goes to. Yeah. It makes sense in subtraction. It makes sense in multiplication. To me, but for addition, it's, I don't know, it doesn't have the same um, representation of how my brain works. I guess my my reason to use it would be because if you could build it with addition, then they might go to it for subtraction. Oh, okay. That's why I would try to use it. Do you, do you do the, what do they call it, where you take some from one number and give it to the other? Compensation. I don't think they call it that in here, though. Take and give. Take and give, yeah. Oh, that's a much more technical term for it. Um, so, and we do that, um, again, with fractions. So their example here on page 80 is 63 plus 28. And so they said, I'm going to move three from the 63, I'm going to move two of those to 28 and make it 30. And now I'm going to do 61 plus 30. So that's compensation. Mm -hmm. Well, we do that when we're adding fractions. If I have three fourths plus two fourths, I might just move a fourth over and make that a whole and have one and one fourth. Mm -hmm. And I think that became a really evident when we did the coral counting and they were able to see the pattern. Mm-hmm. I think that was even our example was that if you just moved one over, then you had one fourth. And yeah. so I call it make a whole um, mm-hmm. because that's your that's the point. But take and give or compensation. And I think it it again works because of the associative property. You're seeing it. You could you're kind of thinking of 63 as 61 plus two. So you have 61 plus two plus 28. And that two was grouped with the 61, and then you're regrouping it with the 28. Um, Ooh, that would be a really good way to write it and let them see that associative property. Mm-hmm. Instead, I mean, this is good when they're recording it, right? But they're then you're showing have... a little arrow going from the, this, the two going from the 63 to the 28. But the reason it works is the associative property. Cool. Let's move to the division because it was juicy. It was. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, for me, the authors in this book were, they didn't say it, but they really questioned, like, why do we stress kids out and teach them the long division algorithm for almost their entire third or fourth grade year, wherever it is in their standards? Fourth grade for and, us. And they, 
so many of them leave not being able to understand it because like 200 divided by 50, if all you have is the algorithm, you still have to write it down and then you have to figure out what you're supposed to do with those zeros. And then is this the one where you can take the zeros off and it's the same answer? Do I put the zeros back on instead of, oh. I want you to know if you've already lost me. I'm just kind of so. If a student table. is done 200 divided by 50, right? I would want you to be able to have a division strategy to be able to do that in your head. But if the only thing you've ever done is long division, well, you have to say how many times does five go into 20? So four is a good place to start. And maybe you had a teacher who showed you you could do that, right? If you do this, if you cross off the zeros, I can't see. Yeah, Yeah. change Change it to to five into 20. Right. So it's four. But then you know what happens? They put the zeros back on there. Oh, okay. So sometimes you put the zeros back on and sometimes you don't. You know, you multiply and you put a zero on the end. It's like they have all these algorithms and they don't know how to use them. There's no meaning. Yeah, because I was thinking, how do you, because my brain was like, well, there's four fifties and 200, you know. My brain goes back to thinking by hundreds and fifties, which which I do, but I don't know how where that came from. I don't know what what whether it was just something naturally in my brain, or some example or whatever that makes me think in fifties. So, and what hundreds. if I said how many fifties are in two thousand? Would you figure out how many were in a thousand? You'd figure out how many were in a thousand. I would. Um. You no. Know, I would figure out how many, sorry, I didn't say the whole thing. I would figure out how many hundreds are in a thousand. And double it. Mm, no, I've already done that. If it's fifties and two thousand. Oh, you just changed the whole. I would find out how many hundreds are in one thousand. Hmm. So he doubled and doubled? No, halved and halved, which is one of the strategies in yeah, here. It's number four on page 95. Well, of course, I read the book too. No, you didn't. I know. Wait, write it down. Uh, I sometimes get stuck when I can't see it. 2,000 divided by 50. I divide one by... To get 50 to 100, I need to multiply by two. Okay. So I always try to half the other side. And my first thing is always, is the other side even? But that's not... That's not the right answer. Oh, we're doing division. (laughs) See, that's exactly what the book... Yeah. That's like that's what they said that kids are going to want to learn the having and doubling strategy, and they're going to be all over it for right. multiplication. Because have to have to double both of these on, yes. the, on division. Yes. Like I'm not. I wasn't looking at it on the paper. I was just looking at it in my head again. And see, that's where as I was as going. I, as, soon as, as soon as I was saying on the paper, I was like, wait, that's that's not it. And I followed your thinking when you got yeah. here, and then I said, and then you double it, and you said, no, I already got it, and I was just okay. Like, so yeah. Phoenix, use one of those strategies. What would be useful? A hundred. Into 4,000? 4,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is 40. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So they, one of the things they talk about in here is that if a student says it, the having and doubling strategy for division don't like jump all over them like we did. <laughs> Don't jump all over them right away. You know, let somebody else have another 
way that they did it. And then we're going to have this disequilibrium because our answers don't match. And then we would could jump into one of those investigations. One of the last chapters in this book was about, they had like eight or 10 different investigations that you could do, which another word for it is probably just a task, you know, um, here's here's something does it always work and if so why and can you show geometrically how it works um that would be a great thing to explore once that whole eh, issue came up about do we have and double or double and double and have and have yeah the make a tower one was interesting so i mean that's just list your multiples which is a strat right isn't that Right, but they kept skipping. Okay, so if you're trying to divide by 13, they list 1 times 13, 2 times 13, 3 times 13, 4 times 13, but then they jump from there because they see that it kind of is close to the beginning of the number that they're dividing into. So they're dividing into 531. So they get to 52. 13 times 4 is 52. Then they jump from there to 13 times 40. So they they were like looking at their dividend and stopping at a good point to jump to t- 10 more of the thing. 10 times more. Of the divisor. So I think there's merit too that s- problems like this, they should be allowed to like have a pencil yes. and paper because you're going to start that tower mm-hmm. or you're going to be able to record that thinking without doing the algorithm – yeah. But to just think about how you're doing it. And it was very interesting to me that she was writing. So they did 949 divided by eight and a half. And what page are you on? I'm on page 99. Okay. Okay. So 949 divided by eight and a half. And they used the um, chunk out strategy, which is what I've called subtractive division. Yeah. So they, um, subtracted did eight and a half times a hundred and subtracted eight fifty. And then they did it times 10 and subtracted 85. And then they took off an eight and a half from 14 at the end. Mm -hmm. And she just wrote it as 5.5 over 8.5. So there's your decimal remainder as a fraction. Mm -hmm. When in reality, if you were going to ever do this problem, you would do it with a calculator or you would do it mentally and get an approximate answer. I just – it was really good for me to see that this is going to even give them more number sense. What do you think mm-hmm. five and a half over eight and a half? What's it close to? What's it close to? Yeah. You know, there's another number talk for you there. I want to know when you're going to have to know the answer 949 divided by eight and a half and you're not going to have a calculator beside you. Well, Yeah. I mean, good point. Yeah. If I ever am in that situation, we're just done. We I mean, that's how they started the the thing, though. Like, um, they started the whole chapter by talking about no one ever. Guys, if your life depends on me knowing the answer to that without doing an algorithm, we are done. Yeah. So, but but you could estimate it, and you could you could have used that. I mean, I would have never. I would I would have done estimation. Depending on what nine forty nine, I may would have tried to divide by nine because sometimes my brain can do that. But often I would jump right to ten. But mm-hmm. if I had to actually circle around to get the right answer, nope. Yeah. It says at the very beginning, um, there's no longer a job in the world, not one single job, where someone does long division with paper and pencil. 
um, not one job that is other than teaching, <laughs> which is right. so true. But you huh. still need to have um, – you need to be able to estimate because when you do something wrong, even on a calculator or you set up the wrong problem and you didn't know or you type something in wrong, you need to know that. That what doesn't was, make any sense. What was sense. that movie with the um, the ladies that worked for NASA? Um, Hidden, Hidden figures. figures. Hidden Figures. And remember that giant wall they had in that one room where like there was just – math all up and down a chalkboard or like a wall two stories high there on this giant like yeah. Willy Wonka ladder trying to get up to the top of it to yeah. write work, write the number. I'm thinking, how in the how in the world is that? Whoa. Like yeah. that's what I just thought of when you're like no job that requires long division. Not anymore. Since you know, since we don't have to roll on, you know, library ladders on walls of chalkboard. Yep. And I, for one, am very thankful for that. Yeah, me too. Is there anything else, Ruth, you want to talk about division? Um, There's a whole lot more I want to talk about, but I think that we have covered this, yeah. and it's time for us to just one more say, get this book. Yeah. Get it. I, I did want to mention um, – I had I had another number talk book before this, the blue one, and we've talked about it a lot. And it's the from it's from Sherry Parish. It's a, it's twice as thick as this one, um, and I will say that I think they're both valuable. Um, this one is probably a better place to start. I would say if you're brand new, like because it it kind of was an easy read from start to finish to get the big idea. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, the the advantage of the other one is many, many more problem sets and and problems ready for to go for you. They the the Sherry Parish book has lots of pre made. Try this strand and then this strand and then this strand. There's just tons of them. This one leaves a lot more to the teacher to um, here's some to get you started and here's how we picked these problems um, and here's like five to get you going. But then you need to think of what the next ones are going to be. Um, I'm looking at this last chapter that, fortunately, I didn't get to because we're redoing a house. And I haven't figured out how to read a book and remove wallpaper at the same time. <laughs> um, Audiobooks. Not this book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that it tells you what should – there's like frequently asked questions. Like, mm-hmm. what do I do when it's just me and a student and no one else is participating? Or yeah. what do I do when – I completely make a mistake and do the math wrong. There's just a place to go and they give you like really good things to do. Um, How do I get strategy? How do I get buy-in from my high school students? Yeah. So this book is definitely, um, if you were a middle school or high school, this is way geared more towards you than the other one was. the grades four through 10 on the front cover. But both are valuable, but I'm, I'm glad I have have both or have read both because there were different things in both of them. Okay. I will say as a student, I was always, um, I was, I was pretty good at math, but I wasn't, you know, unflappable, but it always helped to see a teacher just botch it up big time on the board (laughs) and realize it and go and, you know, own up to it and say, Oh no, I did this. And, you know, and talk about maybe where they where they messed up or you know I was that was always good for me as a as a student to to see that and to see that correction and and you know how not just to know that that you know grown-ups mess up math too mm-hmm. but to 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 that was almost more helpful to me than 
somebody show me how to do it correctly. Yeah. yeah. You would appreciate my flip videos because there are three where I have scrolling words that say, I'm getting ready to make a mistake. Can you find my mistake? There's no need to send me a text that says I made a mistake because I did it. Three I plus know. two is five. And I said it was six. <laughs> All right. Do we have a takeaway? Mine was just that. Okay, good. Mine is that kind of two. I need to be more consistent with number talks. I am guilty of like having a couple weeks where I do them every day. And then some weeks where I don't do them at all. And I feel like, that there's so much value in consistency. And then the other is that I don't have to have it match what I'm currently working on. That was a clear point that I took away from this book, that if we're working on place value, we can still do a subtraction number problem. It doesn't have to be some kind of place value number talk. Um, I can I can implement it all year long, and that's going to circle back, cycle back into our content. Well, most of what, you know, the 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 – what you guys were looking working through would apply to so many different areas and topics in math mm -hmm. that you guys are teaching. Yeah. It's never not applicable. It's just not the exact same yeah. fact or whatever. How about you, Ruth? Uh, my takeaway is I need to buy this book. Yeah. You know, I we're going to read so many good books and I feel like I'm going to make all these changes again, but this is one I, I have to get. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I won't see you tomorrow on a run, but, and not Monday either because I'm going camping. But I'll see you next week. Awesome. All right.